Hey, TLC, praise God for another Sunday to worship together. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to so many of you who are observing the government recommendations uh, and the call of Jesus, really, to love your neighbor uh, by selflessly uh, just sheltering in place uh, during this whole pandemic. And I'd also like to say thank you for those who are putting yourselves out there and putting yourself at risk and your, your loved ones at risk by, um, by carefully going out and uh, just just running the sectors that are essential for us all to function. So, and most importantly, we'd like to thank God uh, for the ability to continue to meet uh, for these digital gatherings, even inviting friends to come in, uh, and and for those who are making this possible. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. And we are continuing to love God by using this time to be with him, to continue to worship and gather even from home. We're loving people by uh, looking out for their health and the health of their loved ones. And uh, we're serving those around us through the many hours of production and delivery of free masks and care packages and gospel tracts. So praise God for what he's doing in his people uh, through even a chaotic and challenging time. Well, we also want to be thinking about how to best navigate our own spiritual growth through this season and how to prepare for the inevitable inevitable surge of, of lost people, uh, people who are going to be new and, and crushed by this part of history, whether it's medical, financial, relational. Everyone will be. Uh, we already have been affected uh, by the pandemic to some degree. So many are going to be looking for answers and looking for healing and in the coming months and years. So we're God's people. We're his holy priesthood. So um, let's be ready to shine our light in the darkness, all right? Now, by the way, uh, as I mentioned in last, uh, last week in the watch party, if you have any questions regarding the sermon or the Sabbath in general, uh, I'd like to make use of the technology that we have. Now, I'm not actually preaching live right now. <gasps> I'm, I'm preaching this and recording it on a Wednesday. Uh, so that means I'm with you in the digital room. And uh, so if there's anything that is confusing about the, the sermon or the Sabbath or you just have any questions or want to chat, you can always message me or post it up. Uh, and I'd love to give you more ice cream recommendations if you'd love to. So uh, before we move on, one more thing. Uh, we have a great a resource that I'd like to recommend to supplement the Sabbath series. If you want to learn more about introspection, slowing down, contemplation, emotional health, this book uh, is a great book uh, by Peter Scazzaro called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's a great resource for small groups, discipleship. We as a church staff have gone through it, and my, uh, my youth team, uh, my core team has gone through it. And uh, wow, it's really benefited us. So check it out. Highly recommended. This week, we're going to be concluding our series on the Sabbath. Now again, Sabbath, or Shabbat in Hebrew, it simply means to stop or to cease from your normal day-to-day -day labor and task. But as we've learned, it's not just a day to take a long nap or wait around watching Netflix. Uh, it's, it's, as we've discussed, there's different aspects to this uh, special day that was given to us that would greatly benefit our life as a Jesus follower. After all, according to Jesus, the day has been set apart and blessed by God for our benefit. We've seen how, so far, the Sabbath is a delight. In Genesis, God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he did something very different. He ceased from his work. He made that day, lifted it above the others, took it out of the, the common, and he blessed it. He enjoyed creation all the day. It's a day to be recharged and refreshed. 
It's a day which can help us reframe the other six days of the, the week. For today, enjoying the delight of the Sabbath and God's work can mean to just slow down and enjoy all the blessings that God brings. Maybe hearing your children laugh a little bit more, listening deeply to a friend's story. It could be the feeling of, uh, of nice clothing that's on you or, or a slight breeze on a hot day. It's enjoying the delight of a, uh, the zest of an orange, the sweetness of a strawberry, your favorite ice cream. It's enjoying the masterful work of a, of a sunset or a sunrise or hearing the crash of an ocean wave. All these things bring you before God in thanks and admiration and, and just a reminder to us of the many blessings that God gives us every day. We can think of it throughout the week. We can reflect on it. We can look forward to the next week's Sabbath to enjoy it all again. We've also learned about commemoration and worship. The Sabbath uh, is also a means for us to pause, to walk away from the work that we're currently doing and observe what Jesus has done for us once again. We're able to enter into that relationship with God because our King, our Messiah, Jesus, rescued us from the slavery of sin by dying on the cross. And he rose again in order to give us new life, new identity, new people. We are kingdom citizens. He's setting up his kingdom and through his spirit, he's showing us how to expand it. So it's a day that we devote to praise, to celebrating, to serving, and being reminded of our true identity is with Jesus Christ. We don't get bogged down by the endless, mindless work and tasks of the day-to-day. So uh, it's a day that we can remember that, hey, we sacrifice all of these, these hours because Jesus sacrificed for us first. So we give, we sing, we praise. And last week we talked about uh, how the Sabbath uh, is in terms of covenanting and making it holy. We set apart time to allow God to set us apart for him. The Sabbath is a day that's given uh, in order to protect and nurture our relationship that we have with God. We could set part, uh, a part time to contemplate God's word and our promises to us fulfilled in Jesus. It's, it's like a cosmic date, if you remember, with God every week to reflect on his love for us. Regardless of the amount of work that you did or didn't do in six days, uh, we can still reflect on that and recommit uh, the coming days and weeks to him. Well, this week we're going to be bringing the topic of Sabbath home as we look through this passage that we have in Matthew chapter 12. Now that we've discussed different aspects of the Sabbath, we want to turn our attention to the person which all of this is to be done with. Our main task today is to discover that it's not the day in itself that brings life, but the Lord of the day who does. It's not about a day, it's about a person. We'll learn that really the Sabbath is not about how or when, but it starts with who. Now Matthew chapter 11 closes with Jesus uh, giving, inviting his people to a life with him that is free of strenuous and daunting religious tasks. He says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus makes it clear that life with God is not about religious upkeep, but about turning from ways that are not of God and choosing to dwell or live with him. And you will find rest for your souls, as Jesus says, quoting the prophet Jeremiah. Well, Matthew, in the very next chapter, sort of illustrates this with a situation that he recalls of Jesus and his disciples being harassed by some Pharisees, the sort of people who 
were proponents of a lifestyle of strict religious doings and works. And in Matthew chapter 12, here's what we see. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick up some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath, or unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, that that would have been the temple, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath day in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the Sabbath is here. Verse 7, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. All right, let's pray over the scripture. Lord God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, the reason we're able to worship. Will you bless our souls and mold us into Jesus' image through the power of your spirit working through your word today? Will you guide us to you and help free us to enjoy and dwell with you all of our days? In Jesus' name, amen. The issue for the Pharisees was that uh, Jesus was breaking their system of worship. They'd become hypercritical of Jesus' way and, and, and his followers for not following their tradition. While Jesus, on the other hand, views worship as personal. We belong to a personal God, not a set of made-up rules. Oh, hold on now. What do you mean made-up? Aren't they calling out Jesus and his disciples on a contradiction of the Old Testament? Aren't they breaking the Sabbath, as they say? Well, what the Pharisees were referring to, actually, was not God's commandment but rather their own traditions. You see, the Pharisees were a group of individuals who sought their own super obedient way of life uh, in order to adhere to God's commands. So when they came across a command in the scripture, in the Old Testament, they said, hmm, you, shall work from you, shall, you shall rest from work. They sought to further define for themselves and for others what work and rest should look like. The word work and rest were very ambiguous, so they wanted to add more nuance to it. They added all these rules in order to protect the people of God from even remotely coming close to breaking God's command in the Old Testament. Okay, well intended, but this did add a very heavy burden to the people. This is known as legalism, and it choked out the original intent of God to delight and be refreshed and to remember and to worship and to contemplate. Soon the way of God seemed to be more of a burden instead of a blessing. All of these extra rules added burden instead of blessing. So the Sabbath and other ways of God seemed to weigh things down a lot more. And that was never meant to be true of God's intention uh, for human flourishing. So what's the point here? That mechanical and systematized spirituality can result in legalism. Now if we're not careful, we could fall into this trap, and we do all the time. 
It happens to Christians and it happens to whole churches who decide on a method of doing something in order to please God and his people and then they make it a habit. But then watch what happens. They replace that habit of wanting to do something a certain way with the gospel itself. The Pharisees were stuck in this pattern of sacrifice. The word Pharisee actually means uh, separated one. Okay, they were very religiously pious. They wanted to be different from everybody else, and they, they sought to go even beyond God's law. In other words, they sought to make constant sacrifices so that no matter what, uh, they were in God's favor. But just as in the days of the prophet Hosea, the people failed to see and have a heart for God. They couldn't give mercy uh, of God because they didn't understand it. Their hearts were only set on maintaining a system instead of maintaining a relationship. Now, I'm not saying that systems are bad in themselves, obviously. In fact, they're necessary to run the world. But when we place our trust in our, our own created system, our security is a little bit rattled when anything comes close to threatening that. So we build this sort of legalism inside just as the Pharisees did. And legalism, again, says that things must be this way. It could do damage in at least two major ways to yourself and to others. So understanding legalism is important if we truly want to be people who find and give this mercy, especially when it comes to enjoying Sabbath. Now here's an example of what it looks like. Okay, let's say that I connect with God best on Tuesdays, or that I always have to hear a, a spiritual song, a certain song in order to get into that spiritual mode, or that I have to be in a certain seat or a certain sanctuary in order to best study the word of God. Now, none of these habits are bad things, right? But if we're too married to them, our hearts can become more connected to those things than to the God who we actually initially sought to hear from. We now feel that we have to make efforts to go to that place and hear that song and wear that shirt or whatever it is in order to connect with God. Now, churches have actually split over such silly things like this, over unbiblical. They thought that it would be like unbiblical to change the music style or the carpet color. Again, I, I don't want to say that our efforts of enhancing worship or having a pattern or rhythm are bad. Not at all. I'm simply saying this, that while those things can be helpful, our eyes and the epicenter of our faith should be centered on Jesus. If we only view religious doings as the center of our change, we are subtly replacing God himself with the doing for God. We can kind of understand now the second commandment, right? Why God uh, said, hey, don't make an image and then worship that. It's almost like doing that. It can be harmful uh, to your walk. Now, secondly, a, a legalistic approach to the Sabbath, uh, it, it, it must be a, a, this method or this way of doing things, is dangerous to others. It can choke out the mercy of God. In verse 2, what we see here is that uh, the Pharisees are searching for any and every reason to condemn others for not making the same sacrifices that they do every week. So indeed, the person who makes only uh, religious systems as opposed to relationship with Jesus and sacrifice above mercy is bound to find themselves having some heart issues, including a spirit of comparison, criticism, and uh, condemnation. I find God when I do this, so everybody else should do it my way. Why aren't they doing it like that? You're projecting your expectations and habits on others, and that was what these Pharisees were doing. The result is, as Jesus says in verse 7, condemning the innocent. Ouch. 
Now let's look at what Jesus says, how Jesus uses the scripture basically to respond to this. He says in verse three, he answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, the temple, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. And now down also in, in verse 8, we see this. For the Son of Man, that's a messianic title, uh, the Messiah basically, referring to himself, is Lord or owner of the Sabbath. Jesus uses two examples in the Old Testament, which seems like law-breaking in order to justify his followers' actions. In the first, he gives an example of King David. On a run for his life, he's exhausted, uh, he's in need of food, he and his companions. So he enters into the temple and is given bread from the priests that was supposed to be only uh, set apart for them. But he was able to gain some sustenance from it. He was able to gain some energy to continue uh, to flee. Hey, uh, speaking of those priests, by the way, why is it that God had the priests working on the Sabbath, basically, Jesus is saying? They would be performing sacrifices on behalf of the people in order that they might be able to be close to God on the Sabbath. It's funny how the Pharisees seem to have uh, missed that one in making their own rules up. But this is where things, I think, get really interesting. In verse 6, look again at verse 6. Jesus tells them something greater than the temple is here. Greater than the temple. Uh... Wouldn't you have expected to see something else right there greater than the Sabbath? I thought we were talking about the Sabbath. Why are we switching it and saying the temple? What does the temple have to do with this? All right, hold on, everybody. We're going for a little ride here. In both stories, Jesus mentions priests and the temple. Okay, The temple was the epicenter of where you meet God. Okay, It was God's house, as it says. It was the role of the priest to make sacrifices and thanksgiving and uh, sacrifices of thanksgiving and atonement for sin. Then Jesus lays this one down: that he isn't replacing the word of God and what it said, but he shifts the epicenter of where you meet God to himself. The epicenter of our faith is not a method or a place but in the heart of God himself. It's not a physical place, it's not a physical time, but it's a person. Those seeking refreshment and mercy are not to necessarily go and do a whole system of things in order to find it, but to simply go to him, to Jesus. It's not found through any other means. Jesus is the place to find God's mercy. So he goes on to mention in verse 7, a, a quote from the prophet Hosea, if you had known... What these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. So Jesus is now shifting everything from having the idea of going to a temple system to you come to me. God's desire has always been to fix the brokenness in the human heart. It wasn't about creating rules uh, just like any other religious system. Being with God in our brokenness did take a system of sacrifice, but Jesus ended the system by becoming the ultimate sacrifice for all of us. So when we recognize that it's not the day 
of the Sabbath or any activity uh, itself that gives life. But Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, we can faithfully bask in the freedom and the relationship that we have in God because of the ultimate mercy of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, if that makes sense. Now, some may say, okay, Pastor Evan, I, I, I've tried this whole Sabbath thing and I've tried lots of these spiritual things. It's just not a delight. I don't feel any more spiritual. I, I don't hear anything. I can't connect with God. Well, perhaps you're still viewing the practice uh, and the day before the person himself. It's not the day or the time in itself that will bring life or any sort of connection or anything new. It's the person who does. Don't put too much stake in the day as much as in the person. For example, I could spend a whole day here, uh, obviously reading. <laughs> I could read my Bible all day. I could journal. I can sing all my favorite, most spiritual songs and still have some things in my heart. Because while those are all great things, uh, I'm using those things just to solve my problem and find answers. It's as if I'm saying, okay, God, look, I'm turning on the spiritual faucet. Now make with the blessing already. But yet 20 minutes in silence and maybe some short prayer and maybe a little bit of ice cream, I could suddenly have crystal clear, crystal clear clarity because it turns out that God just wanted to be with me. So how do I identify that our time with Jesus, our Sabbath, is actually benefiting our souls? Well, inevitably, you will ask, how do I know that you know, I'm spending time the right way? You'll know when you start to see your heart expand in mercy. You know when you are becoming uh, less legalistic and judgmental all the time. By spending time with the Lord of the Sabbath who showed you ultimate mercy, you yourself will inevitably become more and more of a person who constantly finds that mercy and is able to give that mercy. Finding mercy and giving mercy. The idea is not uh, about conforming to rigid rules, but to marinate in his mercy. Simply be with God and experience his blessing all around you through creation, through his word, through his community. Now, we know that the Sabbath rest is not about a day, but a person. And we've discussed in previous weeks how uh, there is a day given uh, and aspects of God's vision uh, for it. So uh, is the Sabbath Sunday or is the Sabbath any day? The answer is yes. <laughs> Paul is a little bit helpful uh, with some commentary here from Romans chapter 14, verse 5. Check this out. One person considers one day more sacred than the other. Okay, so maybe somebody likes the Sabbath on Sunday and, you know, maybe it's like, whatever, I do it any day. Any, uh, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. So again, the day doesn't matter. The person does. It's, not, it's about devoting time to being with God, whether that's a Monday, Tuesday, whatever it is. We find Jesus both being in a congregation with people on the Sabbath and we find him being alone in the mountains somewhere, just spending time with God. Uh, that's fine. Some people can't work, or have to work on Sundays and can't make it on Sunday. That's totally fine. Finally, there's one more cool implication to draw from this. Because of the mercy and the freedom that we have uh, with this day, we can experience it differently as needed. Okay, here's what I mean. There may be some weeks where you are tired and you are drained of all your energy. You've been on the run with anxiety. And just like King David, you just need some sustenance. You just need that bread. You just need uh, to rest. That's great. Take that day. Take that Sabbath and be ministered to, be loved on by the people around you. 
Likewise, there might be a week where you're really full of life. You're filled up. You have a lot of energy. You just feel the love of God flowing through you. You want to go and bring people closer to you by serving your brothers and sisters around you. And hey, like Peter said, you are the royal priesthood. Go. That's fine too. If you want to spend that Sabbath just blessing others and, and that's how you remember what Jesus has done for you, great. So it's not an either or, but it's a yes and. It's a day to benefit God's people by spending time with the Lord of that day. So TLC, uh, my prayer is that you will uh, be free of constraints and guilt. Okay. Uh, scripture says that a day in God's house is better than a thousand elsewhere. And it's uh, certainly not a day to feel condemned or by wh what uh, you don't do, but a day to delight and remember and contemplate your new life with our resurrected and ruling King Jesus and what he's done. So whether you're watching this on Sunday morning, whether you're watching it on Wednesday night, alone with God, it doesn't matter. It's a day that was given to you, but I pray that uh, you know that it's, it's about who you are spending it with, and that's God. Let's pray.